series. It's on the book in the life of Daniel. So I encourage you to go to page 620, as Mark read, and we are going to be walking through the life of Daniel. Uh, good news and bad news is I really feel like preaching today. This is a two-part message I'm going to make into one. Usually on Monday mornings, I get up and I start studying for next Sunday. So I studied and did that whole normal thing. And then Thursday, I make all of my slides and do all of Sunday on Thursday. I looked at this, I went, I missed a whole piece. So I have a Monday sermon and a Thursday sermon I'm putting together in a Sunday sermon. So get comfortable and uh, we're going to go here and we'll be out before five o'clock tonight. All right. I feel like preaching this morning. Hopefully you feel like listening. And if not, you're still going to listen or fall asleep. One of the two. All right. All right, so here we go. I want you to start thinking about a time in your teenage years that you were rebellious. Now, I, I started to think about maybe I should share the times of my rebellion. I started thinking about should I share how God brought me out of that, and I thought, well, should I stop the service, and should I have people just stand up randomly and talk about your rebellion as a teenager? It seems broad stroke most of us hit a rebellious time. Anywhere from the ages of 13 to 30. And it's a difficult time for us to rebel. It's a time where we sow our wild oats. It's a time that we try to make our faith our own. And as, as a youth pastor, as a former youth pastor, it is really difficult to see children growing up in the church and hit those teenage years and then just walk away. And they just, and they fall away. And so as we walk into the book of Daniel, I want you to think about uh, a 15-year-old boy. Think about a 15-year-old boy. Jude is 17, right, Jude? So we're going to go two years below Jude and think about that. Put that in your mind's eye. I thought a lot about Jude this week. I thought a lot about our teenagers this week as we walk in and think about our state of our youth. And as we walk into the book of Daniel, I want you to think about this time of a normal teenager, quote, normal teenager, quote, does rebellious things. What were you doing at 15? Yeah. Rebelling. What was I doing at 15? Rebelling. We're going to study the life of Daniel, who at chapter 1 is 15 years old. And he is going to purpose in his heart not to defile himself. We're going to get there in a minute, all right? Let's make sure we understand the context. It's in 605 B.C., and if you want to do some cross-reading throughout God's Word, Jeremiah 25 talks about this prophecy where Jerusalem is going to be ransacked and it's going to be taken into captivity. And then the best young men are taken. So think about this. Step back and think about this. We know that there's Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We've seen it. If you've watched Veggie Tales, you go Rack, Shack, and Benny. You've seen all those things. But these best young men are taken. The other ones are either put into captivity or they are killed. So a whole generation of Israelites are completely taken out. And what's interesting is they are taken for three years and they are indoctrinated into the study in Babylon of the math, of the sciences, of the English, of the astrology, of the astronomy, of the numbers, of the literature, of everything, even religion. They are force-fed these things for the three years that they are there. Now, as I was studying, God brought something and reminded me of the 414 window. Is everybody familiar with the 414 window? Perfect. I'm going to teach you something awesome. 414 window. The ages from 4 to 14, most people come to faith in Christ. Okay? Show of hands. Just, just participate with me this morning. Say, have you been saved between the ages of 4 and 14? Put your hand up. 4 to 14. Okay? 
Uh, anybody over the age of 14 saved? Okay, all right. Well, about half and half, give or take. Well, so anyway, there's a window called 414. By the age of 25, 90% of people have come to a saving knowledge of faith. 90%. And I was thinking about this as I was studying, I found this graphic. The members that we just brought in, out of the seven, I believe uh, we had eight members, seven of them came to faith by the age of 25. That is why it is so important that we have our ministries for our kids club, our club 58, and our youth group ministry because basically by the time they hit eighth grade, ninth grade, they've already got their worldview set. They've already understood everything. That's why we need to get them early. That's why we need to continue to help with our kids club and our club 58 because we want these kids to come to know Jesus. Are you with me? Let's make sure we continue to work this. All right, so the 414 window. All right, let's go ahead. You're in the back of your bulletin and on your copy of God's Word. We're going to work through Daniel chapter 1. I just covered the first seven chapters or the first seven verses for you. So we're going to go to verse 8. Daniel's going to make a commitment. And remember, I want you to walk in going, this young man is 15 years old, and he has already made a commitment to the Lord. We'll get to that in a minute, but let's look at God's word, all right? So Daniel purposed in his heart. Daniel made a resolution. The, Greek, the Hebrew word for this is he set apart his heart. So if we really want to read this the way we understand, you know, understand it, Daniel purposed in his heart. Daniel set apart in his heart. He made that commitment. How about you? How about me? Have I made this commitment? Have I made this commitment? Have I made this desire? Have I set my heart aside to the Lord? This kid is 15 years old. We're going to be learning from someone that is half my age. 15. And we're going to be able to learn from his example. But Daniel, he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of king's delicacy. Let's stop there. Let's go back and get the highlighted words. He set apart his heart. He made this commitment. Think about what this young man is doing. He is getting inundated in the math, the English, the, the law, the administration, the finances, his architecture, his engineering, his astronomy, his astrology, his languages, even his religion. He is being all force-fed this. He, remember, he's 15. He's being pulled out of his home in Israel, and he's being put into this foreign culture, and they're saying, you learn this. Can Daniel control this? No, he cannot control what he is being taught. And so what happens is when I go and I minister to people, when I go and I pray to people, the one thing I learned, have learned, is that people want to control their situation. You want to have control. I want to have control. I like to have control of my car. I like to drive. It's not that I don't trust you to drive. It's just the fact that I'm not in control. Same thing happens with your life. I like it when I know what happens, when things change and I don't feel in control. Here comes Daniel, 15 years old. He has been taken out of his home. His worldview has been shaped, but now he's being inundated with everything that, that he has known to be true. They're saying that's false. And so he has said, I can't control my environment. I can't control my education. I can't control my circumstances, but this is what I can control. He can control, and he has decided not to defile himself, not to partake in the culture that he's in. That means that he wants to gain control. He can't control what's being taught. 
he can control what's going into his body. He decided not to defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies. If you have different translations, they translate this different ways. What they're looking at, delicacies, are the meat. All right, so he's in Babylon. Babylon does not worship the God that we worship. They worship everything but the one true God. So what they would do is they would have sacrifices, and they would sacrifice animals to these false gods, and then they would take these, this meat from this false god as a sacrifice, and then they would take and eat it. What's wrong with that is the God's word, the Old Testament, told the Israelites, don't you do that. That will cause you to become defiled. That will cause you to become unclean. So here comes Daniel. He's going into a foreign culture at the age of 15, and he has said, I'm going to set my heart aside to the Lord, and I'm not going to defile myself with the things that God has told me not to do. This is not a normal teenage person. Because what happens is when you become a teenager, if you give them an inch, they're going to take a mile. At least that's what I did. And I'm assuming that that's at least what 80% of you have done. You wanted to go and you needed a little bit of freedom to go. Daniel said, I'm not going to do that. And so what he did was this meat that was sacrificed, he says, I'm not, I don't want to eat that. That's going to bring me in a bad relationship. It's going to put distance between myself and God. I'm not going to eat of this meat, nor am I going to drink of the wine. Now, we as Baptists, we like that. We like that because we are teetotaler Baptists. But what's interesting about the wine, I want you to look, uh, just write down Proverbs chapter 20 in verse 1. Proverbs 20 verse 1, it says, do not become consumed with strong drink. Now, some of you are sitting there going, how's he going to weave through this? I'm going to weave through this, and you're going to go, wow, that's amazing. You're so smart. And then some of you are going to go, wow, I don't know if I like that. But here's what happens. A Israelite, a Jewish person, they would drink wine. However, they would not drink the wine that the Babylonians would drink. The Babylonians would drink the wine straight out of the, the, the vineyard. And it would be a strong drink. Daniel said, according to Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1, God's word says, don't drink strong drink. A good Jewish person, they would drink wine, but they would dilute it with three cups of water, six cups of water, or ten cups of water. And so it was, more, it was more watered down. Now, we make jokes about it. We really want to understand how do we do this. Randy says it wasn't wine. It was more like apple cider with a kick, or however he says, apple juice or whatever. And we want to weave through this. But Daniel, what he did was he drank it, but he would drink a diluted portion because the Babylonians had a full 100% of alcohol. He had up to 10% alcohol. So what Daniel said, 15-year-old guy, he said, I've got, God is so true to me. God is so real to me. I have this relationship with God. At 15 years old, he said, I don't want to defile myself. I want to do things that's going to cause me my relationship with the Lord. Therefore, I don't want to eat the king's meat. I don't want to drink the king's wine. I've decided I don't want to go that way. I want to be different. Start studying Ephesians for one Sunday night. I want to be different. So he said, I'm not going to drink the wine, which he drank. Therefore, because he didn't want to defile himself, because he did not want to set himself as being unclean, he went and he, what's this word say? Requested. Where's Daniel? He's in Babylon. What's his role? He's a captain. Daniel didn't go and he didn't tell the people, this is what's going to happen. 
He went and he made a request. You know what a request is? He said, please. He requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Daniel felt so convicted over this, he went and he had a conversation. He went and was respectful to his superiors and told them of the, of the problem that he had. We'll come back to that in a minute. I don't know, probably about 10 minutes. So there's a problem, the commitment. Then there's a blessing. Look at verse 9. Verse 9. Now God <clears throat> had brought Daniel into the favor and the goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. Look at your copy. I can't, I'm not going to go back and forth. Look at your copy of God's word. Look at what happens in verse 8. What happened in verse 8? Daniel said, <clears throat> Daniel said, I'm not going to defile myself. I'm going to keep myself separated from the world that I'm living in. And I'm not going to partake in what they're doing because I know it's wrong. He made that choice first. You see that in verse 8? Then what happens in verse 9? God brought Daniel into favor. Who brought him into favor? God brought him into favor. Daniel made this decision not to go and defile himself by living the way that everyone else was living. Think about that. I don't know how many men were taken. I don't know how many young men were taken. I don't know how many captives were taken. I didn't go into my study that. But what I do know is that there were four young men that said, I'm not going to follow the ways of everyone else. I'm going to be different. And he went and he said, I want to be different. So they each, they each decided within their hearts, I'm not going to follow the ways of the world. I'm not going to follow the ways of the Babylonians. And he went and he decided that he would not defile himself. When he made that decision, guess what happened? God brought him favor. And sometimes what happens is we get that reversed. We want the favor of God. And when God blesses us, then we'll live in obedience. But look at verse 8. Daniel lived in obedience. And then what happened? Verse 9, he received the blessing. And sometimes in our theology, we get that mixed up. Sometimes in our study, we get that mixed up. But God is working in this situation that seems to have complete chaos, that seems to have complete devastation. God brought Daniel into favor and goodwill with the chief. Only after Daniel went and obeyed the Lord. So if we want to have the blessing and the favor of God, we need to have the obedience to the Lord. I heard it one time said this way, you can't expect the blessings of God unless you live in the boundaries of God. And Daniel wasn't going out and living it up in the high life and saying, God bless me. Daniel said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose to be different. And as a result, then God blessed him. So let's go to number three, <clears throat> the fear. So we see verse eight, the commitment, verse nine is the blessing. And then verse 10, there's going to be some fear that is in the life of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear the, my lord, the king, who has appointed your food and drink. Hey, so Daniel's, I don't know how old this chief is. It's one of my, how many questions do I have? Over 3,000 questions. How old is this guy? But what happens is I do know that Daniel, being 15, goes up to this older gentleman and says, I want to do this. And the guy comes back and says, I, I, have a, I have a problem. I have a fear. My fear is that I'm afraid that the king is going to separate my head. Is that a valid fear? Yes, it is. Because if Daniel comes out and he starts getting sick or looking different, who's going to get blamed? Not Daniel. It's the one over Daniel. 
And just let me stop here. I'm going to work through this and I'll apply it. <clears throat> I fear the Lord, my king, who has appointed your food and drink. For why should he see your faces looking worse than young men who are your age? Hey, sometimes what happens is um, you, eat, you feel how you eat. If you're happy, you eat good. If, you feel, if you're feeling healthy, you eat a salad. If you're feeling miserable, you hit the Oreos, right? Is that just me here this morning? Okay, great. It's just me here this morning, so someone needs to talk to me after. But what happens is this guy says, if you have a different diet, you're going to look different. When you look different, I'm the one that's going to suffer the most because the king's going to have my head, literally. Then you would endanger my head, He's going to be decapitated before the king because he's going to get in trouble. What happens? Let me bring this home and make this a really good application. We fear the first three steps. We fear the commitment and we fear the blessing because what happens is we don't want to be different. We fear that people are going to see us and treat us differently. Well, what if I lose the business deal? What if I lose a friendship? What if I lose my job? And we live in fear. Some of us, we, we live in America. I don't have to preach this to you, but you know that we do not live in fear of our own lives. But this staff person was living in fear of what Daniel was asking. And so how many of us are living in fear, and our fear is guiding us and not our faith is guiding us. I came across this saying, it says, faith is taking the step when you don't see the step there. And it's really easy for me to stand up here and talk about trust in the Lord when things are going well, but here comes this guy that has been taken out in the prime of his life in a foreign culture, in a foreign land, and he is saying, I have purposed, I have set aside, I have decided in my heart that I am not going to follow the ways of the world. At 15, the only thing I was thinking about at 15 was how to get my parents' car. Legally. Not illegally. Someone's going to come after. How, you know? I was not thinking about my relationship with the Lord the way Daniel was. And yet he says, I'm going to take this step of faith. I'm going to decide to walk in faith and obedience to the Lord. What would that look like for you tomorrow? What would that look like for you today? To take that next step where you don't see that step there. Let's keep going. <clears throat> Verses 11 through 14, there's going to be the result of this conversation. So Daniel made the commitment. He sees the blessings of his commitment. He, he's working through the fear with his handler. And then there's going to be the results. Let's look at verses 11 through 14. So Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. You ever wonder, side note, why do they not keep their names, but we call them different names? You ever notice that the other three names, their Babylonian names stick, but Daniel's Babylonian name doesn't stick? You ever wonder why? You think about that. Let me send me an email. So he had said over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, he says, verse 12, please test your servants. How did he say that? He went and he requested. He didn't demand. And what happens is sometimes we as believers in Christ, we come across with the right heart, but with the wrong communication skill. And we come across as setting ourselves up as, as better than others, or as superior to others, or if you will, more godly than others. And we are, because we have the Spirit of the Lord in us, but that comes across in the wrong way, friends. And we come across as 
stuck-ups. We come across as elitists. We come across as more of a, we go to a country club and not a church. And so we need to watch when we stand up for ourselves, how we stand up for ourselves. Look at what Daniel said, verse 12. Please, he made that request two verses ago. He requested of the chief of the staff. He came back here, verse 12. Please, not do it. Not in the name of God, you got to do this. Remember, Daniel is living in a foreign world. He said, please, test your servants. He was respectful. We need to be respectful of others. We don't have to agree with them. Do you hear me on that? But there's a difference between agreeing and being respectful. I can be respectful, but I don't always have to agree. He says, please, test your servants. For how long? Ten days. Why ten days? Well, because it's more than seven, less than 14. Really what happens with 10 days is they can have all those bad things out, and if they, get, if, if they look bad, they can blame it on the flu. And so he says, for 10 days, and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. All right, So they're going to fast from the meat that was sacrificed to the idols and from the wine that was also sacrificed to the idols. And they're going to have just vegetables, just vegetables and water. Did you ever hear of the Daniel diet? Has anybody else heard of the Daniel diet? It's like there's a new thing called the Daniel diet that's out there. It's big about 10 years ago where you would eat just vegetables and water based upon the life of Daniel. Does anybody else hear that? That's not biblical. I mean, the diet is very simple. You got to eat less than you take out. You got to exercise more, eat less. So if you ever hear the Daniel diet, that's where this came from. Verse 13, he said, then for 10 days, let us eat and drink just water and vegetables, and then let our appearance be examined before you. So wait a second. This guy is walking in saying, I, I propose this. I want this proposed for 10 days, and then guess who gets to be judge and jury? The guy who's the handler. Daniel's not saying I get to make the decision. The handler, the chief of the eunuchs, is the one that gets to make the decision. Daniel is not telling him what to do. He's coming in, and he's requesting, saying, let me have a test. Give me a test, and let it be for 10 days, and then you get to make the final decision. And our appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacy, and you see fit, so deal with your servants. So he consented with them in this matter, and he tested them for 10 days. Hey, right, we're going to have a test for 10 days. You eat just that. Everyone else is going to eat what they want. Just stop and think about this for 10 days. For 10 days, you're on a diet. And when you're on that diet, Daniel, Hazariah, Mishael, and Azariah are eating just fruits and vegetables, or just vegetables and water. Everyone else they've been taken in captivity with, they're having the best of the best. They're having the, the beef. They're having the pork. They're having the, the lamb. They're having the Chick-fil-A. I mean, you put in there what they're having, all right? And they're eating it. But what are Daniel, Hananiah, and Mishael, and Azariah doing? They are having a fast, and they are remembering their vow to the Lord. I'm not going to defile myself. And just imagine how hard it is for you at your age to be different. And here comes Daniel and his three friends, and they're doing it together. And so he tested them for 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, their appearance, their figures appeared to be better and fatter in flesh. Hey, they looked better than what the other ones were eating. They went on this diet for 10 days, and they went and they looked better than the ones that didn't go on a diet. Let me point out one other thing. Who's with Daniel? 
Well, verse 11 tells us it's Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. How many of us are trying to walk through this Christian faith by ourselves? It's not easy going through it by yourself. You ever try to hold yourself accountable? It just doesn't work. You ever try to go to church by yourself? It just doesn't work. Daniel said, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, the four of us are going to band together. You ever have a bad day and you call someone and go, I'm just having a bad day and just kind of blow all over them? And you ever have someone, you call someone the next day and just kind of blow all over them? Because that is what fellowship is all about. Daniel didn't try to do this by himself. He went and he had a, a cord of four. Four brothers that decided, I'm going to do this. And that is one of the reasons why I believe he was successful. Because he didn't go through life by himself. And how often do we try to go through life by ourselves when we need to go through life together? Ultimately with Christ, but then with someone else for accountability. I don't ever want to assume in the scripture, you hear me on this? But I do want to sit here and think, wow, that is a good piece of meat. I could really go for that. Hey, come on, come on, Michelle. Come on back, bud. We're in this together. Okay, that's right, that's right. And they held themselves together. Do not walk through life by yourself. One commentator put it this way. This is a lesson for Christians too. We live in a fallen world and we are called to be citizens of it. Often though, being good citizens require rejecting the world's way of doing things and honoring God instead. And as we walk through this year of 2020, of I want to be a disciple, this is a key thought. We need to be different. We don't want to be weird, but we need to be different. But we need to do it in a respectful way. So let's go ahead and finish this up. <clears throat> How do I be a Daniel in 2020? Really practical ways. All right, I've, you need to fill in all the verbs. All right, you can't. How do I be a Daniel? Well, the first thing is you've got to commit to following God's ways. You can't be Daniel and not be committed. This week, uh, last week actually, I went to the doctors and I am fully discharged from my uh, ankle surgeon, Dr. Fott. That's right. Well, hold on. Hold your praise. <laughs> she said to me, first of all, they had a sign in the room that says, you're allowed to have a chaperone. And I said, I'd like to have a chaperone, please. So, you know, the nurses got a kick out of that. I was by myself. Nobody else was with me. So that's the thing. You got to go with me to doctors. I misbehave. So she came in. She goes, so I hear you want a chaperone. I said, yeah, because I don't always like what you say to me. And she goes, yeah, well, we'll see how that works out. So I said to her, you know, hey, what about this and this? She goes, hey, you're completely discharged. She goes, just be good. Uh, don't do anything stupid. I said, well, hey, here's the thing, Doc. I said, uh, that warped wall is only 10 miles away. I said, I've been training, and, you know, I, I kind of laid it on thick a little bit. And I said, I've been training, and I said, would you like me to come get you whenever I go up the warp wall, and you can be there to cheer when I hit the buzzer? And she looked at me, he's kind of like, I don't know what you think about that. And I said, how about this? I said, when I go on American Ninja Warrior and I make it on the show, I said, I'm going to be the pastor zipper ninja. And I said, on the back of my leg, I'm going to have tattooed thought on the back of my leg so that you can be the one to know. Everyone would know that that scar is yours. And she goes, I need a chaperone for you. <laughs> and she goes, but whatever you do, now how's this working with Daniel? She goes, how, whatever you do, You've got to commit, Tom, to keep walking. You've got to commit to keep working on this because you've got to keep stretching this tendon. 
You've got to keep working. You've got to keep going on this. Friends, if we want to be a Daniel, if we want to be different in this world, we need to commit to following God's ways. We can't just be half in. We've got to be all in. Daniel just wasn't sort of kind of in. He was all in with his commitment to the Lord. Second thing is that he was respectful and he was not demanding. We, some of you, do not work for a Christian employer. Some of you work for a very non-Christian employer, and they have treated you well. But that doesn't mean that you can't be respectful to them, but you don't want to go in and demand them. I'm looking out at some of you, and I love to pull out examples from your work world, but I won't. But I just think about, you know, how would it go in saying if you work, work for the government, this is how we're going to do it. Boom. And they're going to say, hey, we'll see you later. You would go. Some of you need to take time off of work. You can't go in and, and demand and say, I deserve time off. No, you go in and say, can I please, here's the situation I'm in. You can be respectful of your employer, just as Daniel was. The third thing is you need to seek God's favor. How do you seek God's favor? By living according to his word. Daniel was 15. I'd love to meet Mr. and Mrs. Daniel. What, who were his parents? What did they do? How did they, they practiced that verse in Deuteronomy. When you sit down, when you rise up, when you walk along the way, they taught Daniel the ways of the Lord, and it stuck, and Daniel sought the favor of God. He lived in obedience. Daniel, he focused on the Lord. He didn't look to please others. He looked to please the Lord. Finally, their strength in numbers. If you're here this morning, and you're trying to do this alone, it is not easy to do this alone. Daniel had his three buddies with him. And then finally, you need to sit back and watch God work. These are different things. You write down all the verbs. Commit, respect, seek, focus, strength. I think you've wrote in strength. And then watch. Key verbs that you can do throughout the weeks and the months ahead to be a Daniel in 2020 because we're called to be different. And if each one of us is different, not weird, but different, God will get the glory. Three questions from Daniel chapter 1. Have I resolved in my heart not to defile myself? Have you made that decision? Have you made that your goal? Have you made that your heart's desire? God, I do not want to live and be stained by this world. Have you resolved in your heart not to defile yourself? I have made a resolution. I will probably not be going up a warped wall again. I have resolved that in my heart. Have you resolved? Have I resolved not to defile myself? We have every excuse available to us. It's easy. It's convenient. We live in this world. We're inundated by it. So was Daniel, but he resolved not to defile himself. That's, he purposed that in his heart. Are you there? Am I living a life that is focusing on God? Daniel was pulled out of his hometown, pulled out of his home state, taken to a foreign culture, and he's able to focus on God. This world is not our home. We're just a passing through. That's a great hymn. And what happens is I can focus on this world and I can lose perspective. But when I focus on God, I can live a different life. Daniel at 15 turned his focus on to God and said, I'm going to focus on God because he brought me this far. He'll get me through it. He'll get me through it. And then the third and final thing is, am I willing to honor God in all that I do? In all that I do. This key word right here, key word is all. Not just some of it, all of it. 
I'll honor, you know, I'll honor God in, in, in five things, but, but he can't have the two things. I'll honor God in this, but I won't honor God in that. Daniel said, I'm going all in. I've reserved in my heart and committed my heart that I'm going to be all in and honor God in all that I do. Even what he ate and what he drank, he says, I'm going to honor God. How about you? Are you willing to honor God in all that you do? Not just some of what you do. Let's close in a word of prayer. How can I pray for you this morning? Is there anyone here I can pray for that you'd slip up your hand and say, Tom, would you pray for me? Because right now I have not completely resolved to follow God with all my heart. Would you pray for me that I would not, let me put it a different way, that I would follow God and not defile myself. Would you pray for me that I can make that stand, I can make that commitment that I would stop being defiled by this world? Is there anybody here I can pray for for that? Is there anybody here I can pray for this morning that says, would you pray for me that I can live a life that's focused on God and not on the world? Is there anybody here this morning? I see that one hand. Thank you. Anybody else? Is anybody here this morning I can pray for? It says, Tom, would you pray for me that I be able to honor God in all that I do? Not just some of it, all of it. My whole life, would, it, would you pray that I can honor God? Anybody here? One hand, thank you. Two hands, thank you. Lord, we're thankful for the life of Daniel. We're thankful for the example that he, he gave us. And Lord, as we think about our own lives, we think about our own, our own hearts, would you help us to be men and women that have purposed in our hearts that we would not be defiled by the culture that we live in. And Lord, it's so easy. We have TV, we have internet, we have phones, we have iPads, we have all of it. And it's so easy to live in a world and lose focus on you. So Lord, help us to decide not to follow the ways of the world but that we would live following your ways and following your word. Pray, Lord, that you might help us to live a life that is honoring and pleasing and focusing on you. Lord, that we would not be distracted by the things of this world, that, that you would be our sole focus as we continue to walk towards you. And finally, Lord, I pray that you would help us to honor you, not just in some of what we do, but in all that we do. So that people may look at us and they may ask for the reason, for the hope that we have. Or why do we not do that? And it would give us an opportunity to speak truth into their life. So Lord, help us to be like Daniel. Help us to commit our ways to you. Help us to live in obedience to you. Help us to seek you. Help us to not do this by ourselves. And ultimately, help us to bring you honor and glory. Lord, we pray now as we end our service that you would be our vision. That you would guide us that we will be able to focus on you and you alone. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.